Can't seem to get your team on the same page? I get it. Raise your pinkies because in today's episode, we're talking all about the secrets to creating a more efficient team. Presented by Advertise Mint. The Duke of Digital will guide you through the rapidly changing landscape of digital marketing, social media, and how to grow your business online. To submit a question for the show, text 323-821-2044 or visit dukeofdigital.com. If you need an expert to fix your ads, the friendly team at Advertise Mint is ready to help. Visit AdvertiseMint, that's M-I-N-T, dot com, or call 844-236-4686 to grow your business. Here's your host, Brian Miet. All right, in the studio today, we've got Michael Robinson. Um, what's up what's up dude yeah it's, it's good to have you here thank you yeah. so much for being here absolutely um uh, man there is so much in uh that you've done that i'm excited to be able to talk about uh you've been uh you know featured on nasdaq the bbc world news yeah. cnn uh you were named one of entrepreneur magazine's top leaders in 2019 uh you run two different companies uh the d5 group and stay share yeah is that correct i mean I, I, no that's it i don't you know the, the reality is is it you know like any other serial entrepreneur on the planet um what does the resume look like yeah. a schizophrenic's mind map right? <laughs> totally <laughs> yeah i just I, I get i struggle with just one and i'm like man that takes so whenever i meet people they're like yeah i've got multiple companies i'm like man hats off to you yeah, that you is know, impressive. I think a lot of it comes down to, of course, we'll probably talk about this in a bit, right? It, great delegation, good teams, yeah. and, and high-level communication, and you might be able to pull it off. I mean, we'll find, you know, we'll find out down the road. Every time I go through, you know, a season of, of iteration or growing companies or whatever, you go, it, it can feel good at times. And you yeah. look back in hindsight, being twenty twenty, you're going, what was I thinking? Like, was I even capable? Like, yeah. what delusion did I buy into? So, <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> Um, okay, so now you were invited to speak at Richard Branson's home yes. in Switzerland. Yeah. Is that true? I, I want to hear the story behind this. Yeah. So, you know, okay, I had the like the top five bucket list items for, for my entire life, and um, Richard was number one. Okay. Oh, okay. And I, I've just had a long time admiration for Richard. You wanted to meet him or you wanted to speak I in wanted his to home spend in Switzerland? time with uh, Richard. Okay, it wasn't like it. I didn't want my photo op with Richard. Like I really wanted to have a conversation yeah. and, and get to know him. So, um, and you know, we'll talk about what I do today, but you know, I'd started doing that, like working with teams and helping with communications and helping with team efficiency and all this stuff. And I found myself doing that for a particular team. And now mind you, I, I want, I really have to set this up the right way okay. because the end of 2017, I failed at a company, like it completely fell apart. It was like a $2 million, uh oh, like major kind of one of those you get done and you're like, I don't think I'll ever recover from this. Like nobody's ever going to like me. They can't respect me, you know? So what every failed entrepreneur does, I start consulting, right? So, because I don't want to go get a real job. As a matter of fact, I actually tried because I have kids like you have, you know, you got mouths to feed and all this. I even went back to Starbucks during that season. Like uh -huh. it doesn't matter how good you get. I mean, I had made millions, I've lost millions. And you're like, what are you going to do? Um, I'd stepped into consulting. I just happened to be consulting the right person at the right time, sticking with it. And I get a call one night sitting in my kitchen and she says, Hey, I just shared all this stuff that we've been working through. Sir Richard is like really excited about it. He's been looking through your material. She goes, we've got this event at Richard's place in March. If you're interested, I'll put you in touch with his assistant. Let's get you out there and have you do this. And I was like, 
No way. Like, like hold no on. Way. Let me check my list of top five things in my life that I want to do. Right. Oh yeah. yeah right. And you know, happen. normally you think in your bucket list, you're gonna like, you're gonna fund your way to it. You know, you're gonna save up money or whatever. You know, it depends on what's on that list, yeah. right? But the the crazy thing was the next day I get the call and they're like, we need all your information. We're gonna book your plane ticket. We're gonna get you out here. You're gonna stay at Richard's house here for the week. Um, you know, and I mean, I like it was not. They like rolled the red carpet out. I'm like, why? Like, I'm not a somebody, but you've got me coming in here, and it was it was absolutely an incredible experience, and it very humbling. I mean, you know, you walk in and you you go, okay, you've got a couple of sessions. You go teach these sessions, and one of the students in the room is, is Richard Branson, oh, yeah, and you're yeah. like, are you kidding? Like. Where does this come from? But, you know, and it, that room was full of, you know, some of the top entrepreneurs in the world, guys like Naveen Jain and, um, you know, been able to develop great relationship with those guys as a result of it. And of course, I'm the guy sitting in the room going, um, everybody in here has at least six zeros behind their, you know, their bank balance and whatnot. And here I'm sitting, you know, still like climbing back out of my last failure, trying to get the world restarted again. And sometimes I think, you know, if we get hung on success and failure, right, we get hung in the wrong, we get stuck. You know, I'm something one of my mentors taught me a long time ago, Brian, was that, you know, failure is a space you move through. So as you move through it, treat it like an art gallery, observe everything, learn what you can, but keep going. Don't stand still. Oh, it's so true. You know, I, I had, a business as well that failed and I remember it was working through that was really rough yeah because I'm like this is this was my life this was everything this is what all my friends knew I was doing and you know for me it seemed like a huge mountain to try to get over and looking back realizing like yeah like whatever yeah keep moving like keep going like there are times people swing and miss and it's not the end of the world and that's exactly um, right but man I learned so many valuable lessons through the failure process that have helped me so much to succeed in the future that I would have never known had I only won and won every single time. Absolutely. It it was, it was incredible to, to what I took from that to be like, Oh, that makes me such a stronger business owner moving forward, having gone through that, that loss. Yeah. You know, and that was actually, that's one of the biggest reasons that I've had such an admiration for Richard Branson all these years is he's one of those few ultra successful, like really awesome, you know, guys out there doing crazy stuff who always comes back and talks about his failure first before he gets to success. Yeah. And I, you know, I realized as a matter of fact, I'm in the midst of a uh, manuscript for a book that'll come out called the foundation of failure. Oh, nice. And uh, one of my friends, Terry Weaver, shout out to Terry, if he ever watches this, but um, you know, most people wouldn't want to be introduced at, a, at an event, but you know, when I speak at, at his conferences and things like this, one of my favorite things, Terry always like, nobody fails like Michael. <laughs> He's like, you know, and that's the thing is over the years, you know, you just go through it. And if you're a risk taker, you've got the courage to step up and go for it. You can do it. And I, you know, obviously, and th- this is something we'll talk about in a little bit that I would love to share with people. And I think this is really important as you're developing your branding, your messaging, your purpose, your vision, your why behind yeah. what you do is that when it's completely aligned with who you are, like failure, you really are able to look at failure and go, it's just an education. You know, it's an opportunity to learn what I'm not going to do next time, how to do it better. Or you find out more about who you are as a person. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. And I think there's so many lessons that can be learned through that process um, and what you kind of go through. Um, Tell me, I want to make sure I take a minute to be able to, to hear your backstory so that user or that, that listeners understand you know what you do how to be able to connect with you um so can you take a minute really quick and kind of share 
what you're doing um, on a daily basis and what your, your business does. Absolutely. Well, I, I always preface this, that, you know, when it comes to helping people move through and find organization through the chaos, that helps people move through places to find clarity in their lives, I, I probably learned that lesson more than ever being a dad. Um, as you're, you know, you've got a kiddo sure. at home, yeah, you have a Christmas yeah. baby, right? That's it. Yeah. December 26th. Yeah, yeah. That's absolutely amazing. Um, you know, but I've got seven kids, so, wow. you know, three are biological, four adopted. So you learn to kind of go through you, chaos. And that's and, I, even with one, <laughs> yeah. I am experiencing the amount of chaos that goes on. Like seven blows my mind to be like, I, I, I can't fathom that. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and it's crazy because my and only through adoption is because people I say this and people look at me like I have six heads on my shoulders. My oldest, we we she came into our custody when she was a teenager. So, um, but two days ago she turned thirty one years old. She's got two kids of her own. Oh wow! So you know it, it's an interesting journey that you learn. You know who you are. You learn to help your kids, and you'll learn this as you're as you're. It's your son, right? Uh, it's daughter. Oh, daughter. it's a daughter. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. See, I scan social well, media and then no, I that's fine. We have a couple so. outfits that are like just a neutral gray. Yeah, no, and I'm it. like, oh, that's messed up because no one has an idea when yeah, it's a no. baby. Yeah, hey, so. <laughs> listen. <laughs> and you'll see as your kids get older, they have their own personality. But, yep. you know, that's one of the things, too, that's the most valuable lesson I think you learn in life as a parent, too, is you're going to help them identify who they are, communicate who they are. And, and really, truly, the greatest branding exercise, Brian, that you'll ever lead, given what you do and, and, and sharing that is helping your child express who they are I love and it. supporting them in the process. So I always start there because that foundation um, really, I would say, is part of it. But, you know, I have D5 Group, which is yeah. my boutique consultancy, um, which, again, it came out of a moment of failure. It was like, what do I do? OK, I'll be a consultant. Um, but it's just kind of, it's been a great ride. I've really enjoyed it. Um, and so what we do is we come in and we help you with communications and we start with the individual leaders first, okay. we help them kind of align themselves. Um, everybody's got a personal value. You've got business practices and you've got passions, right? And when you bring those things together, you really begin to understand yourself. Yep. Then when you do that with your team, you start to understand your team. So it's funny, you know, imagine walking into the office, like when you walk in here every day, you know, if you knew those things about your team every single day, you know, even if they make a decision that you don't like, if you understand them, you go, you know, I think that was the dumbest decision you could have ever made, but I totally understand why you made that decision. Yeah. And when they feel that way about you as the boss, <laughs> they go, Brian's crazy, but we get it. We understand. We understand. But yeah. then when you take all that together as a team and you do it as an, as, as an organization, what's really cool is you come up with that decision matrix, the communication matrix, you're able to really move with a lot more efficiency as an organization. So I have a lot of passion around that. I've led large nonprofit organizations over my career where you've got three to 500 volunteers in the organization. Uh -huh. So when you're not writing a paycheck, it's a whole different way to motivate people to, to be a part of something and then hope that they are like on point, you know, that brand and that communication and the, the purpose behind what you do is on point. And so I, I really, it's a passion project more than anything mm -hmm. to be able to help teams and leaders get there. So, um, but I'm still an entrepreneur at heart. I still love to take risk. I still love to dream big and, yeah. and push hard. So this last year, uh, one of my best friends on the planet, Ross Hansen, and I started a company called StayShare, which, you know, I could go into detail on that. But, it, you know, bottom line, we work with the vac short-term vacation rental, so yeah. Airbnb and all that good stuff. 
and we process payments. And what we actually do, so people are going to love this because they're going to start seeing this more and more coming up, is we basically help you split the payment. We're like Venmo before Venmo, right? Nice. You know, or before Cash App. So instead of one of you throwing your credit card down and having to play bill collector for the three months through the vacation yep. process, you do it at booking. So we've set that up. We've got some incredible things happening. And, um, you know, sometimes I, I wish some of the, the ink was dry so I could just brag because every yeah. entrepreneur wants to do that. But, um, you know, God willing and things continue, we don't screw something up yeah. in the process. I think it's going to be a, a parabolic ride to, towards the center of the sun, I think. I don't know. We'll yeah, see. I love it. Um, but I love the process. And, you know, what's crazy is here I go and I help teams do what they do and align and everything. And of course I have to put it into practice every day. So you got to practice what you preach, yeah, you know? Yeah. So it's easy that I become the the thought leader, the expert in, in this particular thing. But I think it's really important that we stay practitioners along the way. Now, um, tell me about this. You, you, your, your resume is, you know, you're working with these major massive companies. Sure. Uh, you're speaking at, you know, Richard Branson's house. You know, what is kind of the type of kind for listeners that are out there right now, you know, do you only work with the big Fortune 500s? Do you work with someone that may have a startup right. or that no. may be an entrepreneur? The big things look great on paper, right? Okay, I yeah. mean, and, and they're there. But the truth is, um, those come fewer and far in between yep. uh, along the way. Now, I've, I've got great relationships, but it's funny. I joke all the time that I have um, <laughs> I basically exhausted my Rolodex. Um, to be able to get in some of those places. Uh, most of the people that I work with are smaller organizations, you know, under 20 employees, and actually sometimes a lot smaller than that because they're the ones that are really grinding through, figuring out who am I, yeah. where am I going, what am I doing? Um, and so for me, it's not, you know, obviously when we when we get into, you know, brand building and things like this, it would be nice to say, okay, I've got this roadmap to, I can show up and charge you, you know, $30,000 a day when I show up in the room and I'm that guy. But the truth is, is that when I say it's a passion project, it truly is. So whether it's the solopreneur who's yep. going to be watching this right now and sitting at home trying to figure out what their brand is, they're listening to you to figure out how do I actually sell myself and market this and make sure people yep. find me. Those guys I love to work with. And I love, again, I've worked with teams. I mean, my largest particular project was with Caesars Entertainment out in Las Vegas back in 2014. And I helped train their entire executive management team, which is 1,200 individuals. Oh, wow. So over the course of a week, you've got these guys getting into a room, and I get them 300 at a time. Yep. You know, so every day, all week, four sessions in a row, two hours at a time, teaching the same material all day long, you know, to move them through. So for me, it's, it's really irrespective because I really care about the heart level of what's going on. Yep. Because if I can unlock that, everything else kind of flows out of that. And so, yeah, it's not it's not you know, respective of the particular team size, it's really respective of the passion that wants to flow out of the leaders and the entrepreneurs. Oh, I love it. And this is the reason why I wanted to have you on the show was to talk about the elements uh, and the secrets behind creating a more efficient team. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, as you're talking about the entrepreneurs that are grinding it out, especially ones that are starting, I mean, the, one of the most critical things is getting a good team around you that right. understands the direction that you're going, that's, right. that's moving together, that are efficient at their their jobs and what they're doing. And it, it's difficult because you're, yes. especially as you're a small company growing, you know, under sub 20, 
you've got a lot of of battles that you've got to fight every day. You're really a firefighter where you're right. you're, you're you're helping, you know, when when uh, I always say like when uh you're in a ship and when something happens like a leak comes through. Right. You've got to be there to help make sure you got to put your finger in the hole. Got to get your finger in there and hold on yeah, and hold wheel. on to steer steer yep. the ship, right? For sure, and, so you're running around and you've got all those things going on and I've always said that you know getting a good team around you is essential. Like no one, everyone always hears the names, you know, Walt Disney, Elon Musk. Right. You know, none of those people are building these companies by themselves. That's right. It takes an entire team. And really the secret behind all those big companies is the team that they have. That's exactly right. Yeah. You know, and here's the thing, the, the crucial component about this starts obviously with the leader. I mean, the, you know, the phrase that, I, you know, we've all heard it in different cliche ways, but as goes the leader, so goes the organization, yeah. right? So really unlocking that. Here's here's kind of where the, the realization came for me. I grew up, my, my father's a super successful entrepreneur. Um, actually, it blows me away sometimes. Um, but what's interesting is to watch my dad as he runs his company. It's my mom, my dad, and two of my siblings, okay? So it's a very small organization, but they're turning out almost almost an eight-figure company every year just with them. And it's, you know, blood, sweat, tears. But, of course, there's family dynamics. There's all these yep. kind of things. And so I, I've kind of, you know, i got a direct case study right in front of me uh, to do this. And, and you look over the years. Here's something that I realized, though, is that my dad had a previous career. And what I learned in that is that so often our personal lives and our professional lives never find an overlay and alignment. So it's like we have two different lives going on, with two different personalities. So, you know, um, thinking about it traditionally, although thank God the world is changing a lot, but you know, when you look back over history, these men that are executives would go to work every day. They come home at five, six o'clock in the evening. And when they turn the keys off in the car and open that door to go inside, it's like they shut off one side of their life and turn on another. And they don't realize that who you actually are at the core cross pollinates in those areas yeah. can make you successful both at home and work. And so there are three primary things that I try to teach a, the key leader and then the team. And I, I've already mentioned them. There's personal values that okay. we have. Okay. So let's, so personal values can be any broad statement, right? They're the things that matter to you. So personal value could be the quality of life that you're leading, right? It could be the city that you live in or, you know, the the type of company that you work for or that you're building or whatever it is. It's, okay. It is that kind of identity, like this matters to me, right? And so those values, and, and they can be at the heart level too, right? You know, family values, all, you know, cultural values, different things like that. We need to know what those are because if you can't identify those, the problem is they influence your decision process all the time, all day, every day, right? And so we want to boil those down and help leaders identify what is my real set of personal values that, that happens. For me, um, one of those things is just being able to have new experiences and, you know, kind of explore and take those risks. And so that's a, a big, big component to me. Now, the second part of this thing is your business practices. Now, what's really interesting, especially with like solopreneurs, okay, let's say that you are the, you've been the typical stay at home mom for a long time, but you finally realize like, Hey, I want to make my own money. I yeah. want to make my own mark. I've got, you know, an internet business that I'm going to build. I'm, I'm selling this. I'm making my videos, putting them on Facebook, whatever you have business practices underneath, whether you know it or not. And I joke about this all the time. I've got an 11 year old son who my ex-wife, who is the most amazing mother on the planet, but she instilled one of her business practices in my, my child, actually all my kids. Um, but what's interesting is 
they're bargain shoppers, right? We come from a big family. Yep. So, you know, we're not running down to Nordstrom's and Saks or whatever and outfitting for the kids. Even if I could, I wouldn't do it. It wouldn't make a lot of sense, especially for kids. They destroy the clothes. Yep. They outgrow them fast. So places like Goodwill became great places to go buy clothes nice. for, you know, young kids. And it's it's interesting to watch. Heck, even my, my well, he's five now, my, my youngest. He was four. We were in Charleston. We're going through, like, the market. I gave the kids a budget, said, you can pick a souvenir, whatever. We get through it, and my youngest looks at me and goes, when we leave here, can we go to Goodwill? And it, it's because he knows his dollar goes further. So yeah. it's a business practice, yeah, right? Yeah. And we know how we're going to interchange back and forth with the world around us. So understanding those business practices is a really big thing. And for me, part of my business practice is how do we create a shared economy? It's funny because that's kind of what I'm doing behind this other company yeah, that yeah. I'm building. But the reality is, is I want to come to the table. If, if you and I are, are interacting in any kind of transaction, my first attitude, Brian, is to come and say, is there a value that I can offer to Brian? Like when I leave the room, what do I leave behind that makes it a little easier, a little better for Brian when I've been there? Because I want that interchange of serving somebody else. That's yeah. really an important thing to me. It's a business practice and it happens to be a personal value at the same time. Okay, nice. And then there's passions, right? Like we can't deny that. Now your passion could be hopping on the motorcycle and you just want to be able to get out and go ride the one, you know, all the way along the coastline out here or something like that. Or I'm, I just love adrenaline type stuff. You know, I've been the guy that's, you know, rock climbing and then doing rappelling Aussie style face down, jumping out of airplanes, you know, nice. finding the, the crazy risk. I, I took a, listen, I'm not a documentary film guy. I'm not really, I'm a novice photographer and videographer. Okay. And I've gotten lucky. Some of my work's been featured in places. And I think it's because of who I know, but I took with my, my friend Jacob a few years ago, we took an opportunity to go film some documentary stuff right in the middle of the Syrian refugee crisis to go hang out in the Syrian refugee camps, to be right on the borders with the war and all that because I wanted to go see it. I wanted to wow. see it for myself. So for me, that's that, that discovery component of yep. just going and I want to, I need that kind of edge to get, just get right to the edge there. So, but those things just, they really determine how I make decisions. You know, what business, business opportunities I'll take, what relationships I build, how I communicate. And so what we do in, in the process that I help, you know, organizations and leaders go through is boil that down to three words and that's it. Because I want it to be simple, repeatable, you know, and memorable, which we can talk about. This yep. is where you get to the why and the branding and the message and all these things. Because when you can boil it down, it's easy for people to understand you, but to remember why they understand you. So for me, my three words boil down to discover, serve, and grow, right? And they, they all support each other, right? Because yep. that discovery thing, you know, learning, growing, new experiences, you know, seeing the rest of the world, all those things, they're, they're tied up in discovery. That, and that applies to business. How's, what's a new way I can do this? What's a new method that can happen when I'm in the process? That serving, just like I said, it's a shared economy. Yeah. I want to serve my team. I want to serve my customers. You know, and a, and a huge thing that I think we often forget, I'm sure you probably give this to a lot of clients, is it's great to sell a product. But people don't buy products, they, they buy desired outcomes, yeah. right? So if I'm serving, I'm able to provide an outcome through the process, right? And then for me, growing. So I love to learn, you know, I'm in process, I'm getting ready to start learning my, my fourth language just because, 
um, partially. Now, I, I, I'm strategic, right? I want to learn Arabic. This is my new, I don't, oh, wow. but I think it's, there's 1.7 billion people on this planet that speak Arabic and a large chunk of the world economy is sitting in Arabic speaking countries. And I really want to tap into that, right? So it'd be great. It's great that I speak English and we think, you know, American mentality so often is like, well, you got to speak English. It's like, well, that's not true when you leave, wow. you know, and you go out to the rest of the world. So, um, you know, growing for me is growing, it, it, growing as a dad, right? Growing as a spouse, growing as a human being, growing as a leader. And so for me, that discover, serve, and grow, it is my decision matrix for myself. It's my communication matrix for, for what I do. And it applies to the companies that I lead. And so coming in and doing that with a key leader, you know, solopreneur or the guys leading 20 people, right? Yep. Once your team knows all those things about you, like I said, they, they can start to, they understand why you make the decisions you make. They yeah. even know how to help you make decisions. And if you're good at it, you know how to hire that team that is so crucial to getting past the beginning, getting through the middle and actually moving towards growth and scale, right? Because now you can go, hey, these are the values that, that matter to me. And then when you do this practice as a team, this is what I do a lot of is I get around the table with the three, four, five key players in an organization. I help them do it for themselves. And then how do they take that together in their, their leadership matrix for the team? So now you can go in and say, hey, when I start hiring and scaling up and, and having these other team members and they know that this is my matrix right here, they can make these decisions and I can delegate. I can trust them because they know. And if I ever if they make a mistake, we can go back and we have a standardization to make, you know, to make an assessment of this, to yep. make decisions. And so it's easy then to hire a team and go, listen, when, when you come in, if you work for me, if your decision doesn't support at least two of the three, preferably all three okay. of discover, serve and grow, then the answer is always no. And if you can't show me how, you might make an idea of discovery, right? So maybe it's a new technology or marketing platform or, you know, the new algorithms, because I know this is what you guys deal with all the time. The algorithms are always in shift, right? Yeah. So what is the hashtag strategy? What is the alt tag strategy? What is all this stuff that's happening behind the scenes, right? So we discover it and we, we can use it. But again, if that piece, that one piece doesn't support the other pieces of the organization, the answer should always be no, because what happens is that's how you start to get vision drift and it, you, you know, you're, you're, you, you start leading a six headed animal, Got right? It. So can I ask you this then? What, I mean, I love this and this is exactly correct. What do you do when a fire drill happens? Yeah. It's uh, completely outside of we're heading in this direction and a wheel falls off, yeah. you know, the plane or something implodes at a business or a big client leaves like, you know, you're running trying to, because I feel like that's generally what I've noticed a lot of times people get sidetracked from is right. an external something happened and they're headed in a direction and then there, there goes a right yep, turn they, or a yeah, left turn. Yeah, they just kind of go crazy. I, I, is this Does this help people get back to kind of that compass or that North Star on that well, direction we're the going? The interesting thing is that actually even in those fire drills, if, if you've done the work to kind of set the matrix, yeah. right, and, and you've cast the right vision and you've set the right leadership tone and... Yes, you're delegating. And with delegation, listen, leaders, when you delegate, it's risky. I don't care how good your team is. If it's your baby, it's always going to feel risky when you delegate. But if you've done a really good job of it, even in those, you know, those fire drill moments, you actually pause for a minute and go, hey, somewhere in this, one of two things happened. We didn't adhere to the matrix, right? Yep. We, we, we compromised somewhere, maybe not big, but we compromised somewhere. So let's take an assessment of that. Or it may actually just be that that client or that situation never fit in the matrix to begin with. 
You know, and yeah. and I think a lot of times, listen, we we know this. It, you can get starry-eyed, right? And the and a client comes along and says, you know, or, or you see that client, you know, and you think, okay, I can get them because I can get this kind of a retainer, or I can make this kind of money, or it bolsters my brand, or yep. whatever, right? And you have to take the step back and, like, with them building Stayshare right now, you are a brand new company. I mean, they're literally three of us on the team, we've contracted the development side out to, you know, multiple team members. And yet right now I've got a couple of contracts knocking on the door that have the potential to be billion dollar contracts year over year. And that's amazing. But I'm literally at the stage where I have to go, I can probably land the contract, but if I do it now, will, is it good for us or is it bad for us? Will it drive us? So again, we run those through the matrix of where we want to go just because I dream big doesn't mean I'm ready for big. Right? Oh, it's such that's such a good um, a good point. You know, there's times that I've taken on clients yeah. that a hundred percent seem like there wasn't a good fit with yeah. the type of companies we like to work with or, or the type of process that we like to do back and forth. And right. I probably two to three examples that co would come to mind. But I remember thinking, oh, this is all it's money. But it's not really right. what we're trying to do, and it's not. I, we, we normally wouldn't maybe work with this type of company. Right. And I rem every time that we veered off, it's always come back to where like eventually we're like, hey, we're gonna need. You just to end up ending the relationship. Ending with the, the client. relationship. Be like, and that this was, wasn't the right fit. You know, I stepped in in, in 2014. It's really interesting. I just come out of another one of my failures and it's an interesting story. That'd be a whole nother episode. But I had a business partner, which again, it's not an unusual story embezzle every dime I had and leave oh, me. I'm talking dead broke. Um, after probably one of the most successful seasons of my life. So I, I made a change in life. I, I even moved my family back closer to home to, to be back in our hometown at the time. And I called a buddy of mine and said, Hey, I'm, he, he was kind of does what you do. He's in, he's marketing and technology agency. Uh -huh. And I had hired him a million times to help me get my stuff off the ground. So I called him and I said, Hey, I'm looking, you know, for a leadership position. You got all these clients, surely somebody in your, you know, maybe I'm a fit for one of your clients. Well, like two hours later, he calls me back. He says, if you'll take over my, my strategy and development, I need you to start tomorrow. <laughs> so <laughs> I went in and started working for him. And it's interesting. He was shifting. And my job, obviously, was then to go get the clients and kind of lead that client relationship. And then the strategy workshops to do a lot of what I'm talking okay, about yeah, right now. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because they were shifting the type of client that they wanted and wanted to expand the organization. So over the two years that I was running that part of his organization for him, we grew from about 3 million a year in a moderate sized organization to uh, somewhere around 14, 15 million a year over That's two great. years. It was a great scale up. But along the way, we had those moments where we had to test it because we were shifting some of the older values into the newer values and the way we ran the company. And there were plenty of times that, and, and here's the interesting thing, when you've done the work, to understand who you are as a as a leader, who you are as a company, and who you are as a team, when you bring those clients to the table, you can actually step back, and it's a lot easier to say no to a client. Yeah. And actually, people don't realize how easy it is to actually fire a client, and that's one of those conversations that doesn't mm -hmm. happen often. No, no, like it's. But the funny thing is, is that I've gotten more referrals over the years after I have fired a client. Because hindsight being 2020, most of those clients come back and say, thank you. You know, they were committed to the relationship. They would have written that retainer every month, but they realized I couldn't deliver for them and, and nor could we work together the right way. So it's really inefficient for them. Yeah. So when I'm honest with them and I go back, it's really interesting is all of a sudden I get 
8, 10, 12 emails in a small period of time saying, but I do think this could be a good client for you. And we'd land those contracts. Yeah. And yeah. so I might have replaced a 15, 20, $50,000 a month retainer with a client and turn around and replace it with a $150,000 yeah. retainer. I just think it's awesome because the process of saying no or setting boundaries or setting limitations generally creates more yeses. Yes. Because people right. are like, I understand exactly what you do, the service you provide, the product's value. You know, a lot of times people, you know, I've seen this with kind of early stage uh, entrepreneurs is they're like, I want to do anything. That's right. Uh, especially in the marketing world that someone's right. like, hey, can you do landing pages? Yeah, yeah, I'll figure yep. it out. Like, let's go. And, and the truth is, you know, maybe they're not the best at it. And ultimately what happens down the road is they're frustrated because it's taking more work to maybe right. get to learn something that they're not specialized in and the client's kind of unhappy because like right. it's taking long maybe the results aren't good um and so to be able to be like no 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 we just do that that's right um we just do this one thing uh a lot of times can can help well know. i mean it, listen the, the movie the patriot with mel gibson there's oh, a yeah. line in that movie that i i still adhere to when you know after they've gone through kind of a tragedy and the home's burning down. And so, you know, Mel's in the woods with his two young kids yeah. and they're trying to get his oldest son back. Right. And they've got him captive and the British soldiers are coming through. And, and he, so he sets them up to have this ambush in the woods, but he says, what did I tell you? And the kids repeat to him, aim small, miss small. That's right. And when we do that in business and anything that we do, it really does work. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. And, you know, over the years, I've, I, I still learn that because, you know, no matter you, you have moments where you feel good, especially if you're exuberant, you know, outgoing, extroverted leader like I am, you have a tendency to go, yes, I can do that. We'll do it. We'll figure it out. But, you know, what's interesting is that I've finally realized the, the digital marketing side, I kind of understand it. And for myself, I kind of do enough, probably not great. Um, I used to think I could do things like that for my clients. What I figured out is I can help them figure out who they are and what they want to accomplish. Yep. And now the experts who can take that and translate it into good advertising, marketing strategies, go do it. I've got a good buddy of mine in, in Phoenix, Arizona. He is a, I think he's one of the most successful solopreneurs I've ever met in my life. He launched, he, he was uh, Infusionsoft, which, uh, you know, it's kind sure. of, they've changed a lot over the years. He was the original guy in their sales department, okay? So he rose up the ranks. I mean, he was the guy. He knows the strategy, all this stuff. And then had a passion project on the side. He walked away from a $200,000 a year job with the stock hold in the company and started this little thing out of his garage. But you know what he's good at? He's the best email marketing guy I've ever met in my life. And within a year, he parlayed a $20,000 investment in this little business to $440,000 of doing it by himself in his garage. Yeah. And now that's translated to, you know, 10, eight, eight, nine, 10 figures in the long run for and multiple brands. And really, he's done the whole thing out of his the passion yep. that he's good at, which is this product he creates, you know, his personal values, yep. which is be home, you know, enjoy my kids. And his skill set, his business practices, he's a great email marketer. And every time he starts a new thing around those, he wins every single time. And it's fun. Like I, He's one of my favorite people to go back and forth with and just talk to because, you know, we kick around ideas of doing yeah, these businesses yeah. together. And he's the first person I call. I'm like, Tyler, you're going to run my email program because I'm not even touching. I'm not writing copy. I'm not doing anything. I'm going to give you my scratch notes from whatever I'm doing and you make them great. You know, I love it. Now, when it comes to, you know, once you kind of go through the the matrix that you were talking yeah. about, where you, you determine the three, um, what are some of the benefits of once you are in alignment with teams? Yeah. So, I mean, once you kind of determine that you work with the teams to say, 
here's where we're going. And I mean, an analogy I would use is maybe like a dog sled. Sure. Like once you get everyone lined up with a lead, you know, dog, and you're going in the same direction, I mean, you can win races, you can get where you need to right. go, as opposed to if anyone has, you know, several dogs, they know that generally right. they run in all different directions. Yeah. Um, but like what happens in terms of efficiency and what should people expect once they line up on these three areas? Well, let's think about this. Like if you're the key leader, that's really the point of view that's going to see the most impact yeah. immediately, which is once you've created that matrix and it's there, you're able to easy, much more easily communicate. Like when you say, hey, here's our next goal, here's our next product, here's our next vertical, you know, whatever. And you can say, let's go do it. But if you've communicated to your team, you don't have to spend as much time going, okay, here are the, here are the most important things I need you to execute, or here's how I need you to execute, because that's there. There's going to be an assumption and so now you basically get to oversee it, not micromanage it at that point. And I think that's one of the biggest efficiencies that we see. The other side is to the team members who are doing that for you, who are following your leadership, who are holding, holding you up in that process when it gets hard, is they have a lot more satisfaction because they can do their own measurement to see their own success and they know whether or not they're meeting the mark yeah. because when that matrix is in place they're not sitting around going is he is he going to be okay with this is he or she happy with this do they like what i'm doing because if they can look and and confidently say hey i've checked off the things in the matrix they at least even if they miss the mark and screw it up they can go confidently into the conversation to assess it and go well here i believed that I was, in fact, doing these. And what's interesting is what happens is you have a lot less turnover in a team because even when mistakes are made, you have a lot more teachable moments too. Because if you've missed the, you know, missed the point in the matrix and you do have that conversation and I come to you if you're my boss and say, yeah, but Brian, listen, I, I thought that I was, you know, these were the three things and this is why I made the decision. You actually change the way you respond to me. You go, Oh, you were really trying to honor the vision and the purpose that I have behind this thing. You did listen to yeah. me. Yeah, you made a mistake. That's a, I can invest in you. You believe in this thing because culture and chemistry trump everything else, right? And the thing is, is that we have to get to a place as leaders. One of the most important things is building a process for the people not hiring people into the process. Now, that doesn't mean skill sets aren't important, but the truth is I bet if I spent five, six days here hanging out with you and your team, those things that I know are weak in my skill set to understand advertising, you know, with Facebook and things like that, you'd probably teach me and make me pretty good at it in a short amount of time. You could give me the skill set. The thing is, is do you have the rapport with me to be able to lead me to develop the skill set? Yeah, right? oh, I love it. We actually have a little chair with the matrix plug that goes in. And it's I like, it. I know Kung Fu, I know Facebook ads. It, it happens in about yeah. 10 minutes. I love it. We get them up to speed. I love it. Um, yeah. Now, you had a story uh, that I wanted you to share sure. about the eat, eat going to eat fresh with your son. Yeah. Or eat fresh. Can you, I want to yeah. share that with so, the listeners. You know, what, what's really interesting is years ago, we were, we were living in Minnesota, which I don't recommend. It's like unbelievably cold. I'm complaining this morning because it's what, 55 <laughs> degrees here in Los Angeles. But um Anyway, when my kids were little, um, and I, I would I'd say this as a parent, I don't recommend this. We had our TV on one of those low boy entertainment centers, right? So my two and three year old sons at the time, you know, of course, all I'm doing is griping because they're putting their fingerprints all over my brand new plasma TV and I'm ticked off, right? But, you know, far be it for me to be smart enough to put the TV up. But anyway, but, you know, they're seeing TV all day in between and the commercials are going and everything. And you don't think that. Your, your kids are paying as much attention. Now, let's even think about this. And you know this. You probably tell this to your clients a lot, Brian. 
we're always all paying attention. So repetition theory really comes into play. But when you create a message that is memorable, that is repeatable, and that is easily understandable, and you and it gets shared enough, it sticks in places you never imagine, right? So this was back, you know, let's see, what year was this? Like 2006, seven, somewhere yep. around in there. So Subway was, you know, they were still at their prime. They're coming off the whole Jared, you know, all yeah. that stuff. Everybody's had their good advertising yeah. campaign. But that's when that jingle, Subway, eat fresh, you know, was like, and of course, I think it's still there. I think they still use I, it. I, I don't think so, yeah. Hardly turn the television on, I wouldn't know, but... Um, but anyway, I remember that we were in the car and driving and my, he was like three years old at the time, three or four years old. And my son, Noah, looks out the window and he goes, look, mom, it's eat fresh because he saw the subway sign and he remembered the tagline. Yeah. And so that's I think that's one of the most important things. You know, I used to run um, a chain of brick and mortar jewelry stores. That's how I got my start in, in business and made my climb. I love the jewelry business. I hate retail, <laughs> which is why I've kind of <laughs> left that world. Um, but you know, the number one most famous and, and successful advertising campaign of all time slogan is from De Beers, which is a diamond is forever. Yeah. So when you study advertising, everybody goes back That's to right. that yep. is the phrase, right? So here's something that I, I challenge a lot of entrepreneurs with. It's, it's kind of that, that, um, you know, quote, good artists copy, great artists steal, you know? Yep. And so that's what we did in our company with, with my jewelry stores is we said a diamond is forever and we make forever affordable. And people could always remember that because they knew a diamond is forever. That's been ingrained it, 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 now at this point, almost every living generation on the planet knows that phrase, yep. right? So how do we leverage that in a way that spoke to the brand that I was bringing to them? I wanted people to know they didn't have to spend $100,000 to have something amazing, right? So granted, I wanted them to spend $100,000, <laughs> but you know, we wanted everybody to be able to shop with us. And so you, know, you create those moments, whether it's the eat fresh moment, whether you're, you're using and leveraging something that somebody else has already put the blood, sweat, and tears into, and you can truly own it for yourself, do it where people can easily remember it and easily repeat it. Because once that happens, and this is true of that matrix you create for your company or the brand that you create, the yeah. advertising that you're putting out there, it will work. It'll work every time. Oh, I love it. I love it. You know, what's crazy is I heard Elena Cardone, uh, yeah. who's a, a famous speaker, yeah. and she was talking exactly about what you were talking about today, yeah. but with her family. Yes. And she was like, we have a family vision. We have yeah. uh, family values, which right. is this is what's important to us. Um, and she was going into examples being like, if... Um, you know, we do, we have to change schools or move somewhere. Right. It's okay because our purpose and our vision is these, or our values are these things right. over where we live. Well, and yeah, I was going to say those, that matrix in, in life yeah. and business and everything can't be based on situation. Yeah. It actually has to be based on who you are yes. as, a, as a leader and who everybody else is as a team. So yes, that applies to family too. As parents, yeah. we're, you know, we're leading, right? And, and our kids are our team, right? So when we do that, yeah, it makes life a lot more flexible. It makes the journey a lot more fun because I don't feel stuck. You know, I don't feel like I'm in a rigid place where I can't flex. And, you know, I think it, it's just absolutely incredible when you do that, because, you know, for me, that discover, serve, grow you know, when I got the phone call this summer from my friend Ross and said, hey, let's start this day share company, like 
I don't come out of that industry. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, the most I think about the vacation rental industry is when I need to book an Airbnb and go on vacation, yeah. right? Which, so it matters to me, but I don't know the industry, right? He does. That's what he comes from. But I, I was able to talk to him and go, if I can take these values, these things that are true about me and they support the vision yeah. that you have and we can do this together, then it's cool. I can go do that. You can teach me the skills I need to know yeah. in order to be effective in the industry and I can come in and do what I'm good at. And, and that's we what's can do this together. In that example, like it's discover, like you have the component of there's something new, an area that I don't yeah. know about. I'm going to get to explore yeah. and learn new skills and traits that I need. Uh, serve, you're helping people um, with the process of renting right. out and grow, there's an opportunity to grow something bigger than what it was right. before. Absolutely. Oh, I love it. I love Absolutely. it. Well, as we, as we kind of come to an end of this episode, are there any kind of last words or tips or advice that you would give to other business owners that they should know about, you know, building an amazing team? Yeah. I think it starts with being a healthy leader. You know, the truth is, you know, and I don't care where you're at in an organization. You could be the solopreneur, the entrepreneur with a small team. You could be middle management. You can be mom at home with the kids. You know, if but you're in a leadership position. We all are, whether we re- recognize it or not. So when we become healthy as individuals and leaders and we have a healthy perspective of what is driving us, it really does flow out to the things that we're leading. So I tell everybody, you know, we we preach this mantra in today's culture all the time. Self-care is number one, take care of yourself, you know, make time for yourself. But it's popular and it feels good to say those things. The question is, are we really going to get off our rear ends and do it for ourselves? And so I would say the most important investment you'll ever make is make sure you know who you are and why you do what you do. I love it. Such great advice, Michael. Well, thank you so much for being here today to share your, your wisdom. And thank you guys so much for listening in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Duke of Digital podcast with Brian Meert. Want to network with other business owners? Join our exclusive group at facebook.com slash groups slash Duke of Digital. Fancy the Duke? Leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app and you could be mentioned on the show. The Duke of Digital was produced by Advertise Mint and recorded in Hollywood, California.